0: If you've been with us over the past few weeks and over the past month, we've been going through a series specifically focusing on Jesus as the Son of God. Can you say the Son of God with me? The Son of God. That there is nothing more vital to your faith and your understanding Of God that when it comes to your relationship with Jesus some of you guys were here most of you guys are here a few weeks ago when we talked about this idea of the question that you need to ask yourself where do you stand with Jesus now that's one of the most important questions you could ask yourself in your life and it is a great question to ask yourself every single day of your lives because in a way it guides you in your faith because if you want to know who God is get to know who Jesus is amen. And one of the things that we looked at, we, re, we looked at that it's based on truth, that you can believe whatever you want about Jesus, but if it's not based on the truth of who he is, there is no necessarily relationship. If I believe Jesus is a cat, I mean, I can believe that as, as emotionally charged as I want, but that doesn't make it true necessarily. I can be passionate about Jesus being a feline, but that doesn't make it true. Amen. 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 Well, Jeff, maybe, you know. No, it doesn't. And so, but at the same time, it's based on truth, but it's also based on relationship because you can know of god you can have information about god or you can know facts and things about his life as if he were a celebrity but there is no necessarily personal relationship god is somebody who wants a very personal relationship and he would call himself friends with the people that are closest to him and so it is very much described as a friendship that he is someone who's close to us as a brother but also god This last week, David looked at this idea of creation and purpose that Jesus specifically gives to us. And this passage here in Colossians 1, if you want to look at it, we're actually going through this passage this summer because it describes so many of the different traits of who Jesus is. I think the more that you learn about Jesus' character through the Word of God, because it is based on truth, the more you have a full scope understanding of who he is. And if you want to join me in verse 15, we're going to reread some of the verses that we've gone over the past few weeks. This is how Paul would describe Jesus when writing this letter. He says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And now we get to verse 17 this morning where we're picking it up. And it's a simple short verse and it says, He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Can you say amen with me to Jesus' word this morning? See, there are two characteristics that are described here simply that jesus is someone who is before all things and in him all things hold together in fact something interesting about that word he is that it's like an emphatic can you all say don't say he but say he say it right now he he man all right he is actually the word that's translated into he is or in another way i am in fact, earlier in the Bible, God would describe himself as the great I am. And so in a sense, it's the great I am is the one who holds all things together and is before all things. And when we look at this idea that everything is before God and everything is held together, this speaks a lot to his presence. Can you guys say the word presence with me? How many of you like presence? Oh, yeah. But this is presence Which is a description of someone who is within the vicinity of another person. In fact, the actual word that's described here in its original context is face. Everybody say face. In your face. In your presence. All right, Is simply what it means that when God has his presence in our lives. That he is someone who is so close to us that he's looking at us face to face. When God is present, God's face is in the mix. And that he is looking at us in a close way. And he wants to be close to us. Everything is before God. And maybe you're someone in this room. How many of you have ever heard, raise your hand if you've heard the term that, like, God is everywhere. God is all over the place. There is no place that he's not. And so you're wondering, you're like, what does that mean? That sounds a little bit creepy to me. I I don't understand how God could be there. Maybe you're someone like me. When you grew up, you thought God was someone who was, like, standing over just a bunch of ants just watching us. And you're like the ants that are walking around, and God's just like, ha-ha, you know watching you from a distance or my personal favorite that I heard a description of is how many of you know, like cameras and monitors that are in buildings. you like, look up in the corner and you see the little circular thing in the corner. And it's like, if any of the trouble happens, they see you and they know you. And so God is like Paul Blart sitting at a security counter, just watching us. And he's like, uh, we got a center in Portland, Oregon at 1200 hours, you know, as if he's just watching us in heaven, monitoring our every move. But God being present is more than just monitoring our behavior. God being present is being involved in every part of the world and in every part of our lives as well. In fact, here's the best way I've heard described if someone were to ask, how would you describe God being present everywhere? Does everybody know what I have in my hand? You're wrong. I have a jar of something. A jar of air. It's my air. Stay away from my air. You don't know it's air or not. But I think one of the most simple and basic ways to describe God's presence is the idea of what oxygen is. All of you know what oxygen is. It's the very thing that we breathe. It brings life to us. You can't see oxygen around you. You can't look at this jar and go, no, there's no oxygen in it. I can't see it. There is oxygen, or you go, oh, I'm looking in that place and there's no oxygen. You can clearly not see it. You can't see it nor not see it. Yet, how do you know oxygen is there? Well, you know it by the very fact that you're breathing it in and breathing it out. See, it's essential very much to who you are and how you live. And not only that, oxygen is essential to everything around us and the life around us. How many of you know there wouldn't be a lot of animals or plants or anything around us if there wasn't any oxygen? Amen? Yeah, there wouldn't be a lot. Did you guys know that even fish, even though they're in the water, they still need oxygen? They need oxygen from the water around them. And so truly... It is something that affects every part of their life. So it is with God's presence. Because you may not be able to physically see God's presence around you. But it's so essential to the way that you live. And it's so essential to the life that's around us as well. That it makes itself known by the things that have life around us including ourselves. God is present everywhere and God is at work anywhere. Oh also by the way. We've just been talking about God being present. We haven't even talked about this idea that God is holding the world together in balance. So it says that God is before all things, but in him, all things hold together as well. So God isn't just showing up, watching the world fall apart. But what it says is that he is holding things in balance. He is providing for everything. And he is holding it together by the palms of his hands and the provision that he has. In fact... In Discover Magazine two years ago, some scientists and astrologers got together and they had to put together the odds of finding a planet that would be like Earth. So when you think about Earth and the way that it sustains life, all of the balance that it is, they said the odds of a, finding a planet like that would be one in 700 quintillion planets, which is 20 zeros, a.k.a. short notice, that's a lot. Amen. The odds of finding a planet just by random that is so balanced, that provides so much life around us, is 1 in 700 quintillion, according to scientists. But not only that, you know what's crazy? I was looking this up this week. If your body temperature, your normal body temperature is like 98.6. If your body temperature goes above uh, 105 degrees, you're most likely dead. If it goes below 70, you're also most likely dead. So think about how delicate our body temperature in our life is that in like a 40 degree window is your life and how delicate we are. And yet look at us. We're living and we're fine. And think about the balance that is life that God does. You think God's a little busy? Amen. You think we think we're busy. How many of you have ever told someone that you're busy? Oh yeah, I can't hang out, I'm busy. Oh, I don't have time, I'm not busy. You think anybody has a right to say that they're busy taking care of stuff? It's definitely the Lord, amen? Oh, amen? Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's the Lord of the universe. He's got responsibilities. And I think one thing that's interesting too is that, isn't it cool? This has nothing to do with the message, but for as busy as God is... Isn't it cool how much time he has for us too? That God has every right to say, oh, I'm, I'm too busy for you right now, yet he doesn't. And so I think that informs me every time I tell someone or I tell God I'm too busy. Am I really? Am I really that busy? Compared to the God who is making time and wants to hang out with me. So what you have here is you have a God who is present everywhere, truly everywhere that we go, that is Jesus. And you have Jesus who is holding all things together, which I think really informs that when he came to earth and took on flesh, that Jesus wasn't walking into an unknown space. It was a place that he fully understands because he had been present in the Father and the Spirit. And yet, one thing that's interesting about God, and this is the question I want to ask you guys this morning. See, it's funny because when it comes to church, you guys ask the questions, but I want to ask you a question this morning. Because not only is Jesus present and everywhere and always, but he actually wants to be present inside of us. So think about this for a minute. Because early on in the Bible, in Numbers 14, 21, God is speaking to Moses and he makes a statement. He says, Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Now, These people didn't even know that the world was round at the time. They probably didn't even know what an ocean was because of where they were in the world. And yet, God would make this claim, nevertheless, as surely as my glory fills the whole earth. Yet, isn't it funny though, at the same time, that the whole story of God is this. He wants to be present within you. He wants to make himself known in you. God makes a garden where he can live amongst you. He can be fully seen. But when sin enters the picture, it breaks us from being able to be seen by God or to be in relationship because of sin. And what God does is that he gives his only son to die on the cross to pay that price so we can enter back into relationship. And because of that, God can dwell within us again, both now and forevermore. The whole story of the Bible is God pursuing us in relationship. So my question for you this morning is if God is present everywhere, why is he seeking to be present in our lives? It's because of this. Are you ready? Because there's a difference between showing up and being present. There is a difference between existing in a room and being present in a room. Amen? How many of you have ever been with someone where you're talking to them and you knew they weren't paying attention to you? I'm married and I realize I do this a lot to my wife so I'm growing in it but it's like the whole idea you're like yeah you're like talking about their day your day and they're like yeah yeah and they just kind of have that face and you're like yeah so then I uh yeah I punched my teacher at school and stole a her, solar her car and they're like yeah yeah nice nice and you know they're not paying attention at all so you can be in the room but you cannot be present. You can walk in here. You can be in church. You can be around your friends, but not necessarily be present. And as funny as it can be, it can also be a really difficult thing. How many of you have someone that's currently existing in your life that you wish was more present in your life? I wish they would just engage a little more. I wish that they were there for me. And so some of us know firsthand what it's like to have people exist but not necessarily be present. See, all that to say, there is a big difference between existing somewhere versus being present. Here's the thing about God. God exists everywhere. God is holding the universe in balance, is what he says. It says that God made the seashores and made the line of the waters, and he holds to that. And nothing changes without his permission. That nothing happens on earth without the Father's hand on it. Yet at the same time, God wants to dwell in our lives even more. In fact, the Bible would go as far as to say that um, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus would say, here I am, and I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, what door is he knocking at? He's not knocking at some stranger's door. When he says that God is knocking at someone's door, that he's like knocking at the door of your life, Jesus doesn't barge through to get in and says, I need to be present everywhere. He says, I've given you your life, and now I want to be a part of it, but only with your permission. Isn't that funny that God gives you permission? See, I'm the kind of person that thinks, well... If God was really everywhere, then I should see him everywhere in my life. But that would be God barging through the door of my life and taking care and taking everything and controlling me. How many of you like to be micromanaged? Some of you probably have some issues right now with people in your life telling you what to do. And you're like, ah, just leave me alone. I'm trying. God won't do that to you. God will give you the responsibility to choose for yourself who you're going to believe in and who you're going to let in. So my question for you this morning is, how much will you let God be present in your life? Amen? Can I get an amen to that? How much? That's my question to you this morning that I want you to think about. How much are you going to let God be present in your life? Because it's your decision. See, there are two things that I take away from this text this morning. The first one is that it's, it's up to us to be mindful of God's presence around us. If God is truly everywhere. And God is holding everything in balance. Then we can no longer say. God where are you? But we need to say. God I need to be mindful of you. God where, open my eyes to what you're already doing in this place. Anything that is unseen is unseen to me. And that it's up to me in order to press in and to figure out and to see where God is up to. And that's part of the fun and the journey that we get to have with God is that we learn how to see Him at work and we learn how to trust Him and we get to see His fingerprints all over our lives and the lives around us and we see God was there. God is here right now because of what I'm seeing and because of what's happening through faith. We live by faith and not necessarily by sight. I also think that for us in this room, maybe you struggle at the fact that God is near to you right now and that God is in this place right now. You go, nah, He's not. Yes, He is. He is in this place. And knowing that God is near to you and wants to be near to you has an effect on our own faith. You know, I heard it once said um, by Pastor Randy that fear, everybody know what fear is? Fear is this belief that God is not in your future in your present. God's not here and he's not going to be in my future. So every decision I have to make, I have to make on my own. I have to make decisions as if God wasn't there. And so you begin to live in a certain way. You begin to act in a certain way. And you say to yourself, I need to do this because God won't show up. Why won't God show up? Well, God's not there. See how believing, would you guys agree with me? That believing in Jesus being there and not will change the way you behave, amen? It will completely change the way you behave. But faith is believing that God is present and acting accordingly. I don't need to worry about this in my future. Why? Because God's got it taken care of. I don't need to worry about where I'm gonna go to school. I don't need to worry about things like who I'm gonna be friends with. I don't need to worry about finances. I don't need to worry about my family. I don't need to worry about how I look to other people. Why? Because I have a God who's already involved in taking care of those things. In fact, one of my friends, and I was telling him about all the anxieties of my life, he looked at me and he said, just remember that worrying is a biblical sin. I was like, ooh. I was like, you're right. Because we have a God who's bigger than our anxieties and our worries. doesn't mean that stuff doesn't stress us out. Or that we find ourselves anxious. But it does mean that we always have someone to bring our things to. Amen? So I think it's up to us to be mindful that God is always present. God is always involved. And God will always be involved. And to be mindful of that in every moment of our lives. But I think the other part of it is simple and simply this. While God may be everywhere, you get the decision to let him into your life and trust him with those places. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you have ever had a job or want a job? You don't want a job. You want money. Amen? <laughs> and you'll do the job for the money. And so um, I, I actually remember working for my brother's baseball academy. And one of the jobs that I had, along with all the scheduling, was cleaning. Was one of just like the, the minor jobs. And I don't know about you, but there's like cleaning like, clean up your room, make your bed, you know, vacuum the floor, dust the blinds. And then there's cleaning. Then there's, like, cleaning you get paid for, which is a whole nother level. I've never cleaned like that before. And it's a whole different level of professionalism, um, standard, as well as just cleaning a monster facility. And so, how many of you ever had to clean an entire house? It, it can be tough work. It can take all day. And so I want you to go ahead and put up the first picture. So I want you to imagine for a second that God is a cleaner. Let's say God is a janitor, all right? And God is the best janitor out there, amen? amen. Jesus the janitor, all right? Works for me. So I want you to think about for a minute, This amazing house is yours. How many of you like to have a house like that? (laughs) No. (laughs) This one kid said, okay. So, now I want you to imagine that this house and the yard and everything, the pool, all the different rooms is like your life. And it's all the different Intrinsical parts of it. It's your past. It's your present. It's your thoughts about the future. It's the people that are involved in your lives. Maybe it's things that you think. Maybe it's ways you got hurt. Maybe it's ways you are getting hurt. Maybe it's your strengths. Maybe it's your weaknesses. It's everything. So I want you to imagine for a minute that you're like, I need a savior to come in. I need Jesus to come into my life. And I want him to be present in my life. And so, Jesus, come on in and clean up my house. Put up the next slide. And you're like, you can have the little swing off to the side. Does everybody see that little thing? The dee little swing. And it's like, all right, God, you get the swing off to the side, but you can't touch anything else. Now... Now Jesus cleans that swing and he makes it new again. He resurrects the swing, amen? (laughs) And then you walk in and you go, what is this? And he's like, what do you mean? And you're like, I told you to clean the entire place and it looks the same as it did before. You didn't touch anything in my life. And Jesus would just say, I only put my hands to the things that you allowed me to. I think you guys understand where I'm going with this. See, God wants to be present in every part of our lives and he wants to make himself known. He wants to be all over the house. But God's not gonna put his hands to something that you won't let him. So my question for you this morning is, what are you holding back from God? What rooms of your house and of your life do you absolutely refuse to let him in? See, for me, I've been so hypocritical in my life because there are times when I'll say, God, you don't, you're not real in this part, or you haven't shown up, yet it's oftentimes the very rooms that I refuse to let him into and let him even have a shot to show himself in. So my question is, where do you need to let him in your life? It's a matter of trust at its core. What do you need to trust God? And maybe it's something that you're afraid no other person in this world would know or any other person would know. And you're like, if they knew this part about me, they would know that this is a mess. But God can't come into your brokenness and heal and bring forgiveness and love and mercy unless you let him. So I'm going to invite Pastor Hayden up and he's going to lead us in some response questions. I want you to go ahead and put your Bibles and phones away. As we talk this morning, I want you to really think about that idea of God is everywhere, but but God wants to be everywhere in you.